Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. And what's up, STS Nation? Welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor. If you're having deja vu, we were just on the air live at 5 p.m., on the Danilo Cavacante case, where is that guy from Brazil? Authorities are trying to find him. And uh, now we are switching gears over to Alec Murdoch. For those who are uh, consistent viewers of the show, you know the last couple of days, last two days to be precise, I've had uh, multiple mini heart attacks dealing with the new studio, the new set, the new software. But we are uh, working it all out, as you can tell, went a little bit tighter uh, for this show. And then uh, we're going to get you to the wide shot in a little while. But uh, I digress on TV tech talk. Uh, of course, we know by now that convicted killer and disgraced lawyer Alec Murdoch, he wants a new trial. Here we go to the wide shot. Everyone get excited. I uh, want a new trial over the murders of his wife and younger son. Of course, that is uh, Maggie and Paul. Uh, they filed court papers, his defense team did, that accused the clerk of court in Cotton County, South Carolina, none other than Becky Hill, of tampering with the jury who found him guilty. Uh, today on the show, we've got Becky Hill's co-author uh, of the book. Uh, it is called Behind the Doors of Justice, The Murdoch Murders. Neil Gordon is also publisher of Augusta Business Daily Publisher. Uh, Neil, welcome back to you. Thank you for rejoining us. Well, thank you, Joel. Looking forward to the conversation. And uh, we've got uh, Steve Peterson. Those who uh, watch the show frequently know good old Steve and his uh, awesome sense of humor and his wicked Boston accent. He was a senior special agent in SSA, if you will, of the United States Department of Justice. He was with the Drug Enforcement Administration uh, for nearly three decades. And at the time of his retirement was the most senior street agent uh, in the world with the DEA. Uh, he also worked uh, the investigation into the clandestine meth lab uh, of the real life figure who portrays uh, who is Walter White, I should say, in the hit TV show Breaking Bad. And if you missed that on our Surviving uh, My Biggest Case series, you can listen to Steve Peterson talk all about that. He was recently featured in the Netflix series about the Murdoch murders. And despite that Boston accent, he's been living in South Carolina for, I think, close to 40 years, if not definitely over 30 years. Last but not least, we've got Gigi McKelvey. Uh, she is host of the popular true crime podcast, Pretty Lies and Alibis. I'm not sure where her pretty face went, but we're going to get it up there in a moment. Uh, Gigi spent six weeks recently in Boise, Idaho, covering the Lori Vallow Daybell trial for law and crime. There's that pretty face of hers. And uh, which she, she produced 50 podcasts just on Lori Vallow Daybell but she also covered the Alec Murdoch trial for law and crime. Uh, welcome to one and all. The first and most obvious question to you, Neil Gordon. Uh, we had you on last week. You've had the weekend. I'm sure it was a little more stressful than a new studio and new software, which is what I'm dealing with, uh, but I don't handle stress well. How are you handling the stress? How are you feeling today on a Monday uh, afternoon? I'm feeling good. I put out a a statement to a lot of the uh, national press and um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling just fine. I'm just uh, trying to call for some calm and peace and patience 
with everyone as the attorney general in the state of South Carolina gets ready to file a response to what was filed by Dick Carpoulian and, and Jim Griffin. Um, Becky has really tried to unplug and not listen to all of the noise. Um, and um, I'm, I'm proud of her and uh, looking forward to uh, how things uh, turn out with a little bit of uh, due process and patience. Gigi McKelvey, uh, we're going to dig deeper into that. But uh, from a macro perspective, um, what about the thought that we could be doing this all over again? The thumbnail for tomorrow is deja vu all over again. Uh, could you imagine having to go to the Cotton County Courthouse for law and crime and sitting through six more weeks of a new trial, Gigi? Well, first of all, I think it'd be a little longer than six weeks. And second of all, I'm sending good juju out into the universe that they changed the venue to Greenville, which is a big city, so I can be in my bed every night. But wherever it is, <laughs> if we get to that point, I'm there no matter where. Here in this lovely state of South Carolina, it is. It's going to be a mess if that happens. But, you know, we've only heard one side, so waiting to see what the other side has to say and what comes of it before we start making any definite plans. And uh, with new software, we're getting uh, a bunch of comments about the audio uh, buffering a little bit. So uh, let's see if we can uh, repair that uh, as we go here. Uh, it's better now. It is. Okay, excellent. Um, and uh, good juju for GG. Uh, I love that. Uh, Steve Peterson, to you, same question. I mean, what about this prospect of an entirely new trial uh, revolving around Alec Murdoch's murder case again. Yeah. Well, like you said, deja vu all over again. I don't, I don't believe that that's going to happen. I don't believe they're going to have another trial. Why not? You know, because, uh, and I don't know all the specifics yet. I listened and I paid attention during uh, Alex's defense team's press conference my question would be uh, several questions actually is, is are the jurors that they interviewed, were they deliberating jurors? Did they sit on the jury panel during deliberations? Because if they didn't, it's not going to change the outcome regardless of what they say. Right. So if they were not deliberating jurors, it doesn't matter what they say. Secondly, I, in, in, in my entire career, I've, I sat in on dozens and dozens and dozens of trials, and I have never seen contact between the clerk and the jury. That's why you have bailiffs. That's their job. They organize that. They take care of that. So I think it's somebody else looking for their five minutes of fame in the spotlight. It's Alec just grasping for straws at the last minute. You know, when you have nothing else to go for, he's got nothing but time. He's got a life of time. So uh, there will be nothing but but arrows or darts thrown at the board to see what will stick and, 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 you know, maybe give him another bite at the apple. But I don't see it happen. He don't have a tablet now either, so he's got a lot of time. He got yeah. that taken away. <laughs> nothing but. <laughs> tablet was taken away. Um, Gigi, uh, before we get to Neil, who's uh, sort of the uh, VIP guest today, um, you had uh, Becky Hill on your show. I mean, what's your relationship with her? How'd you get to know her? And how'd, how'd she end up on the show? Which, I, by the way, I wanted to listen to. I just haven't had time because I've got a new set, new software I'm dealing with. 
Oh, I feel you on that. Um, so I met Becky, of course, during the six weeks we were there in Walterboro at trial. Just a sweetheart of a lady. I I just, you know, she um, she's the kind of person that will send you a random text when she knows something's going on with you on a very specific day just to brighten your world. Um, so that's the Becky I know. And then uh, Neil got in touch with me and said they were coming up this way to promote the book. And I was honored to have her on. I, I, I mean, she's just, you put two Southern ladies together. You know, a lot of people complained about my interview with her. I should have said a conversation, but people don't understand. You put two Southern women at a table at a topic that's really interesting, and it is just going to be a hot mess, you know, talking over each other nonstop. But um, look, Becky is a sweet, sweet lady. I don't see any malicious bone in her body. And, you know, so like I say, I like to hear both sides of the story. I'm really waiting. But for me personally, Becky is just a, a super great lady. And that's my dealings with her personally. So this other stuff with the jury, I have no knowledge of. But on a personal level, you couldn't ask for a better person than Becky Hill. And you uh, you don't think any of this, um, if it turns out to in fact be true, is malicious on her part? Um, you don't think her character strikes you as such? Yeah, I mean, I don't see her going around trying, you know, to to screw everything up. I mean, this affects her as well. This is in her county. This is, she's the clerk of court, you know. So, But it is a small town. So I don't know if Becky knew any of these jurors personally. It would be maybe hard not to. It's it's tiny town. But, you know, I don't think that she went in there with kind of a, oh, let me see how I can throw a wrench in all this. I don't think it would be anything deliberate if anything did happen. And she just doesn't strike me as that that kind of person. By the way, I need Gigi's energy tonight. G Money's energy is always upbeat. So, uh, I'm not going to It's empty. It. That's you, where it came from. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, just this is... Uh, a little bit of a headache, but we're going to get through it and I'm going to stop whining. This, You know, uh, it's really, really hard, Joel, because you have such big allegations and then you know somebody personally and it's just the opposite. So for me, I get really conflicted in these type of situations because I don't want to say anything negative about who, somebody who I consider to be a friend. But at the same time, I'm all for the, ju the judicial process working itself out as well. So I don't want to give the impression that you know, I'm just here like ironclad. Both sides have to have their say. So I just want to make sure that that's known too. It has to be investigated. It's very serious allegations. A hundred percent. And I know you feel that way, Gigi, and I'm glad that you articulated uh, just now. Um, Neil, let's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of dive into you here a little bit and then I'll have uh, Steve and uh, Gigi react to things that you are telling us. But the first question, uh, of course, is, um, have you spoken to Becky uh, since we last talked? How is she doing? What's her, um, you know, what's her mood like right now? What is her state of mind? Just uh, unplugging. She's really trying not to watch. I don't know if I'd call it a circus, but sort of watch all the histrionics going around with everyone sharing their opinions and, um, you know, she's, I know, of course, taking these allegations very serious. Um, there was a, she's not been allowed really to share uh, what she'd like to say, uh, only because it's, it's at such a tenuous time, just in advance of when the attorney general is going to respond to what uh, Murdoch's defense team said. But 
um, there was an article today by Michael DeWitt uh, in the Greenville News uh, Online and also the Hampton Guardian and um, some other Gannett newspapers. He apparently reached her via phone um, a couple of days ago, and she said, I can't comment, but I'm completely innocent. So she really had not um, said much of anything. And I, I don't know if her, what her attorney thinks about that, but that's, that's what she said. It's in print right now. I mean, it's in the Greenville news, news online. Um, so just kind of waiting for the process uh, to play out. Um, and uh, as I like to say, I'm, I'm just trying to fill in the gaps until Becky is allowed to share her perspective once some filings are done. And she's not going to shy away, just like Gigi said. She's a, she's a passionate Southern woman, and um, she, she definitely has some thoughts. And there she is, uh, Becky Hill, otherwise known as Rebecca Hill, the clerk of court for Cotton County. Uh, Behind the Doors of Justice is the book that Neil Gordon co-authored with her. Uh, Tip Knox wants to know, why did Alec get his tablet taken away? That's because he was doing some uh, things he's not supposed to be doing in prison with that tablet, like recording things for a documentary. Uh, so we got in trouble. They took um, the tablet away. Steve Peterson, was that your little dog yapping away there? I picture. Oh, that's me. Oh, that's you. All good, Neil. I just I bring it up because last show we had a dog. Every show on STS we have a dog, and I love it because uh, we are dog friendly here. So I was going to say, feel free to have your dog uh, yap away. Uh, Neil Gordon. Um, can you tell us how is the book selling now? I mean, there's been so much controversy. Controversy sells. Are book sales up? Very fair question. Do you know you're the first person who has asked that question? <laughs> and um, it's a pretty obvious question, but I'm, uh, I'm a exactly. former jerk. Chalk that up to my experience at Fox News right there. Most that, of them are dumb, but go ahead, that, Neil. No, there you go. Um, I'm comforted by the fact um not only because we, I mean, spent four months really working very hard to put this book together, but I'm comforted by the fact that book sales have, have really increased since this press conference on Tuesday. And at least what it says to me is, I'm not sure everything hit people just so on that press conference on Tuesday. And I think they want to find out for themselves what is actually in the book before passing judgment since the book was at such a, an apparent trigger for the jurors and an apparent trigger for Dick and Jim at the press conference to make the statement that they believe Becky, and I'm using the word allegedly here, Becky allegedly tampered with the jurors to get a book deal. And as we've discussed on, on this program, we've self-published the book. So we're, you know, out of pocket. So there was no, there was no book deal, but um, anyone can go on to Amazon and behind the doors of justice. And you can see where it sort of ranks. And I think the last time I checked, it was second most in a true crime white collar category. Um, and it's maybe 
I don't know, three or four hundredth uh, biggest seller just just overall. But it's been a significant um, increase. And um, and I don't mind saying um, this has been it's extremely expensive to defend yourself when there are federal and state charges against you and potentially from what I understand, um, you know, prison time or jail time is at stake here. It's very, very expensive. So just as Gigi shared what a sweet, wonderful person Becky is and how she's a friend of Becky, besides my professional relationship, I am friends with Becky and Tommy and their daughter and their son, and uh, and I don't want the, them to suffer financially. And so I'm glad for that reason alone that things are doing well, um, just just because of I know, um, you know, financial uh, obstacles they're going to face in the future. Uh, Steve, to you, I know uh, you're not an attorney, but you might as well be one because you've been in court enough <laughs> times as a DEA agent. Um, how does this get investigated now? Um, you know, the uh, South Carolina Attorney General, I think, has to respond within 10 days. Some people say it's going to be a bit longer. But w- what are people going to do, the powers that be, to find out uh, what really happened here from an investigative standpoint? Well, from an investigative standpoint, you would have to you would have to go out and speak to all the jurors. And I think that would be the judge's job in the trial, the trial judge's job to call all the jurors, recall them all back in and talk to them one at a time. Did you have contact? What was said? Did you get it? Did you feel pressured? Did you, you know, there's these allegations that no more smoke breaks until you get a verdict or, you know, all these, again, allegations, that's all they are. So did that, did that occur? And if you have three people that say, yes, it occurred, and you have nine people that say, no, that didn't occur, well, then who do you believe? You believe the nine? You believe the three, right? So from an investigative perspective, I believe it will be the judge's job to bring them all in. But if SLED was to call it in, then to me, you would bring all the gra- the jurors in, but you would put them before a grand jury. And you would ask them literally the same questions because now they're under oath on in front of a grand jury answering these same questions. And if they lie or if they um, or tell the truth, most importantly, if you, as long as you tell the truth, you have nothing to worry about. But if you get up there and lie and embellish, then you've got an issue. Then not only are you possibly creating perjury, getting yourself caught up in a criminal charge yourself, but you're also... Uh, you're you're also interfering with the administration of justice, which could be a separate charge. So, you know, you just have to identify where these rumors are coming from. The defense team didn't do that. And, you know, they claim, well, we're going to get a retrial in a different venue. Listen, they wanted the venue they had. They were counting on the Murtaugh name swaying some of the jurors. They were counting on that intimidation factor that the Murtaugh's have always had, right? So why do you think half the witnesses in this case didn't want to get up there and testify? Even if Alex is convicted and is in prison, which he is, you still got other Murtaugh's out there, and not that they're involved in criminal activity, but they have a lot of influence in the community, tremendous amount of influence in the community. And if that influence goes out and says, hey, from now on, 
don't do, have anything to do with Neil or don't speak to Gigi. Well, these, these guys don't want that happening because a lot of their businesses hinge on these relationships. So, you know, nobody, the Murtaugh's wanted this specific venue for this trial. I don't think they're going to want to have a retrial and bring it to a different venue because nobody is going to be favorable in a different venue. Steve Peterson, always very well thought out. As you can tell, Jelly Bean says, uh, or asking here, Neil, how long had Neil and Becky known each other before deciding to write a book? You kind of went over this, Neil. Um, if you could just recap um, the origin story of your relationship with Becky Hill, now a controversial figure. The short answer is not very long at all. Um, I talked with her on the telephone probably around two weeks after the trial. And then um, she made a visit to uh, my wife's photography studio, Melissa, who did the pictures for the book. And that was on the 20th. And we um, sort of talked through what the book might look like. We played around with some possible chapters. Uh, but then we talked about, hey, is this kosher um, to write the book? And we should make sure that, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's and check, um, you know, check with the, the county government, check with the state government, the um, ethics commission and such. And then once everything was all cleared, um, we went full bore. So um, it was based on a recommendation from my wife and some good phone calls. And then we met in person. Um, and um, then they came back and, um, you know, we have a little golf tournament in Augusta and my, uh, my wife's mom um, invited them to cheat PS tickets and invited them to come for the day, which was really nice. And we just, we just kind of clicked and Becky's writing style is um, much like a romantic novelist. And I've been a news guy all my life. So, you know, I kind of was able to, to frame the facts and, and ascertain what's maybe really important. And she was really able to, um, shape it and mold it in her voice. So, and, and in total now, so we've, we've known each other a total of six months, but she calls me Bubba and I call her sissy. So we're like brothers and sisters. Mm. That is such uh, a South Carolina thing. It is. And by the way, that, that small little <clears throat> golf Paul tournament Paul is the Mags masters. Bus bus. We all heard it during the <laughs> trial too. Cause everybody from not from South Carolina or from the South in general was like, who? calls people that well, I can't tell you how many bubbas I know. I'm just going to tell you right now. They're everywhere in the South. And uh, I don't know. Are you guys still hearing me? Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, camera here just went black. So uh, again, uh, apologies for that. Uh, Chelsea Whitaker here says they are using the book uh, GGTU as an excuse. They need a reason to explain why quote unquote, all of a sudden the truth is coming out. So the book is a perfect scapegoat. Um, what do you make of that comment? I mean, that you know, it's a valid 
thing to speculate about right now. There's very little we know other than the press conference. I also think that for me, and I've said this before, is a couple of things. Every morning, Judge Newman would ask the jurors, has anybody tried to discuss this case with you? I understand there could be some intimidation there, but everybody said no. And then the jury was polled after the verdict was read. And everybody said that was their verdict. So for me, it's kind of, you know, if you if you look at the totality of it, maybe the book was kind of a scapegoat, but if they went through the right channels and got the okay, regardless of how people feel about a clerk of court writing a book, if they went through the right channels, then that's fine. But one thing that I did read just a couple of minutes ago was Eric Bland had talked to News Nation and he said, I don't believe anybody has said to date, even those jurors that gave affidavits that they were coerced. I don't think anybody has said that their jury verdict was the product of duress. So, you know, I know he is representing some of these jurors, but, um, you know, it's like I say, it's just so hard to, to, I know for Neil too, knowing Becky personally, to just say, really, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, you've got three jurors, other, other doors were slammed in their face. And like Mr. Peterson was saying, if you have three saying yes, and then you have nine saying no, and were these deliberating jurors, all that stuff for me is like what's most important. I do think that the book was kind of easy to latch on to because it did give some intimate looks into, into the trial that, that we didn't see behind closed doors. And just for the record, I, I like Dick and Jim. They're very, they've been very nice to me. So that's how I, I judge people. But yeah, I'm just very curious how all this is going to play out. But I do kind of feel like the book made it easy. And Gigi, being the uh, reporter on top of this case from Private 123, uh, can Gigi on the panel of the show elaborate on the juror that Dick and Jim said that Becky made up a post to get the juror removed? I asked because from what I remember, that's not why the juror was removed. Can you uh, sort of fill in the gaps here, Gigi? Yeah, so that was Egg Lady. Uh, that was, oh man, I felt so bad for her because she was pulled in in a full courtroom and questioned right there in the jury box, standing alone. And so the story goes was that Miss Hill had seen a Facebook post where this, what was supposed to be the juror's husband had said that this juror was talking about the case and, and telling her opinion about guilt or innocence. Then there was an apology video or uh, post later on, and it ended up not being the ex-husband. It was, a, it was kind of the same name, but maybe one, the husband went by Tim and this guy's was Timothy or something to that effect. So I'm not sure if this... Really, the post kind of confuses me of was it there or wasn't it? And was it just kind of a case of mistaken identity? So that's, yeah, but that's, uh, uh, Becky was the one that saw that, I believe, in the Walterboro word of mouth Facebook group. Uh, Steve Peterson, one thing we know for sure is that uh, South Carolina is like a tiny little town, even though it's a state. <clears throat> it seems like everybody knows everybody. Um, and some people in the chat, uh, this, comment in particular the timing of all this is so convenient though no uh some people are saying hey dick harpootlian and jim griffin are strong arming people and now uh, the other half of the chat i don't know if it's split down the middle here as i haven't taken a formal poll believe that you know becky hill could be culpable um but do you think um and someone just commented by the way that uh there's a rumor going around that some of the jurors in Calton county are driving new cars and obviously the implication there is that they're getting money from maybe uh some high profile defense attorneys that is the implication um i don't know do you, 
how do you unravel all this? I mean, Dick Harpootlian has had a stellar career. Jim Griffin is a, a very amazing defense attorney by all accounts. Uh, I don't think these guys would be claiming there's fire if there's no smoke. What say you? I think at this point, that's exactly what you do. You claim there's fire when there's only smoke. As time goes on, their relevance diminishes. And building up to this trial, everybody kept saying, oh, Dick Carpooley and Jim Griffin, the greatest trial attorneys in the state of South Carolina. If that's the greatest, that doesn't say much for South Carolina. And I don't know either one of them personally. I don't. But if you're doing such a great job, the jury's out three hours. Now, I predicted a conviction, but I didn't predict it in three hours. I was stunned when the jury came back so quickly. So how do you save face if you're the defense attorney and the jury comes back in three hours and slams your client? Well, you will grasp at straws. And, and I'm not saying they're not warranted straws if they're, the information they're given is what they proclaim it to be. Right? But we are way too far early in this process to be making decisions. When they first arrested Alec Murdoch for the murder of his son and his wife, it, automatically you had people right then and there. He's guilty, but we couldn't have done it. And he, you know, he's a murderer. How could you ever kill your wife and son? So people make up their minds almost immediately, usually depending on how little they know. So let's let this let's let the process play out. Let's let the facts come out. And in most cases, the facts are, are totally overblown. And we're just, we're just fanning the flames of nothing. And we're, we are destroying people's reputations. We're just uh, destroying people's character. Uh, and we don't know any of this. Uh, Gigi, there's a comment there uh, that basically Egg Lady, that they're going to dismiss Egg Lady's affidavit because they feel like this, she was just trying to get back. Um, in sort of a vengeful way. Uh, do you think there's any veracity to that? By the way, Dick Harpootlian here said, uh, the clerk of court is a person that makes sure the jury gets food, a place to stay. They are not someone ever that should talk to them about the case. And Jim Griffin says, when the clerk of court wrote her book, published her book, that's when the silence collapsed, meaning uh, the juries came out. But what about uh, the now sort of famous slash infamous egg lady situation? So they're going to, take that affidavit out is that what you said at the beginning it's just one of the one of the uh one of the people in the chat said that they're basically dismissed not really take that affidavit seriously because they think that she was just trying to in essence get revenge uh, yeah i mean i that yeah i don't know if she did or not but somebody had also said that she had talked to her tenants but i think she was the same one correct me if i'm wrong that also possibly it was her ex-husband i think it was like three people that she potentially had talked to about the case now, I don't know about that, but I mean, you know, she didn't deliberate. So what, I mean, what does her affidavit do? We're worried about the deliberating jurors, really. So, I mean, right. kind of one of those things where does it really matter? You're right, though, Gigi. Um, there were three people that Judge Newman actually talked with behind chambers and ascertained that they had shared information outside of the courtroom with those three in relation to what was going on with the case. And that's the reason uh, that Judge Newman 
addressed the gallery one morning before court started and was very open about that. That's why the juror was disqualified. So to me, that's really the point. Uh, Neil, speaking of the point, uh, Mark A here says the ethics committee never reviewed the book, but they may look at it now. Um, is that true? It was my understanding that they did. Uh, they didn't review the book, but they certainly reviewed a letter written to the ethics committee by Becky Hill. Is that right? Yes, they did. They reviewed a book, but not reviewed a book. I'm so sorry. They did review a letter from Becky and their opinion was the same as the opinion of um, our media attorney, which, I mean, basically, as long as I mean, any elected official can write a book as, as long, let me make sure I get this definition, as long as it does not come within the definition of their official capacity, their duties, and what that basically means is, you know, someone who is, let's say, the chief bailiff for a particular county cannot also take some of their time and be the chief bailiff for a neighboring county. You cannot take what you do in your duties and, and kind of replicate them and 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 write about it but you're but you're as long as that's not your duties to write um you're allowed so that's what we that's kind of what we went through and i don't i have no idea whether they would like to take a look at the book now um not to my knowledge at this point uh yala says yeah i believe steve is right this turns into a nothing burger i bet a few other people saying go steve um so one of the questions that people were kind of tweeting at me, Neil, is that I know you publicly said that you didn't meet Becky until after the trial, something like 20 days after the trial. But uh, people wanted to know if you were, in fact, corresponding during the trial about the potential uh, of writing this book. Um, as oh, a gosh. Oh, gosh. No. Um, the and Luckily, um, my wife was accidentally had the accidental record button on her phone the day she met Becky, which was March 2nd, the morning of Moselle. And it's, hi, my name is Becky Hill. I'm the clerk of court. Hi, I'm, I'm Melissa. Melissa asked Becky a question about where she should stand because there were jury vans and the judges' vans and all that sort of stuff. So Melissa had a chance meeting um, with Becky and took a selfie picture. They corresponded after that. And then the talk of wanting to figure out how to do a book together came up and then sort of brought me in. Now, maybe what the confusion is, Becky has said that um, she thought as she was planning this trial and you have to understand how comprehensive and exhaustive a process it was to map out security measures safety measures where are the exhibits going who's going to park where what about food trucks how about the bailiffs um, who's going to be in charge of the family members coming in and out uh, what about serving the needs of the jury and the defense attorneys and the prosecution and the judge and all of that. She did acknowledge 
that as she was making up this plan, that the idea came into her head. But she was busy 14, 16 hours a day. I mean, there wasn't any time to write a book. I mean, that much I can I can tell you knowing the effort that it takes to write a book. So maybe that's where there was confusion. And uh, as a guy that's writing a book right now, I can tell you it takes it consumes almost all your time. So uh, that's that makes sense to me. Uh, Steve Peterson to you from private one, two, three. Uh, what about the two affidavits that Dick's paralegal signed and not the juror signing it? She signed Holly and her last name. That is reportedly, uh, you know, true as uh, public documents. Now, uh, how do you read that? What do you what happens there from a, a legal perspective? Well, it's really not an affidavit from the jurors, then, is it? It's the paralegal's interpretation of what the jurors told them. It's not the words of the jurors. So, again, you know, every time you repeat a story, it changes slightly. We've all played that game, Telephone, where we whisper to our neighbor the story, and as it goes around the room, by the time you get back to the beginning, the story's completely different because it changes with each iteration of the story. Who knows? It's very simple to write an affidavit, to to claim to have interviewed somebody who said something that they didn't say. Oh, I'm sorry. I misinterpreted what they said. I mean, it's easy to get away with that. If If these were actual deliberating jurors, then I would take it more seriously. But again, as Gigi even said, and Gigi, by the way, it's Steve, not Mr. Peterson. Mr. Peterson's my dad. (laughs) Sorry. uh, That's all right. But, uh, if the, the jurors were all polled, they were all asked individually, is this your verdict? Is it still your verdict? They all said yes. That's the time when the jurors have the opportunity, if they feel coerced or pressured to give a verdict to join the rest of the crowd, that's their time to go, no, that's not my verdict. No, I, you know, it's not. it was my verdict. It's not my verdict anymore. So it's not still my verdict. They have that opportunity and nobody took it. Of course, nobody wants to be on camera doing that either. But you just have to understand, they had the opportunity to speak out. And it took months and months. Allegedly, the book was the instigator behind the complaints. I haven't, no no disrespect, Neil, but I didn't read the book. So I don't know what's in the book. I don't know if there are behind-the-scenes stories specifically of jurors and they feel insulted that you would talk about their lives and in such a way. I have no idea. But uh, if if that were the case, then you can understand why a juror to be mad. And this is one way to get back if you're the juror. And there so, were a few there were a few cases, Steve, um, in the book. I mean, Gigi might recall there was um, an alternate that, and I wasn't there, so I, I don't want to mischaracterize this. Gigi could absolutely um, chime in. But she couldn't really sit still, and she folks didn't know if she was sleeping, if she was, you know, daydreaming off and just sort of checking on who was doing what, um, wiggling around, and and so we sort of we sort of talked about that a little bit. There was a um, there was a juror who um, I believe was an hourly worker who was not going to be paid for the six weeks and he almost had to step down 
And we talked about how some friends came forward and um, basically covered what his um, salary was going to be because he had child support payments to make and things like that. And then, of course, there was the egg lady. We talked about that. So, you know, behind the doors of justice, I mean, no one got to actually see the jurors, but we just thought it would be interesting just to give a few nuggets of what was all kind of going on behind the scenes while they were really trying to be very purposeful and very prayerful and very careful with the job at hand. Uh, Steve Peterson, you haven't read the book yet, but Amy Marta just ordered the book. You could do the same thing and then you can read the book and know what's uh, going on. A uh, clap from Neil Gordon to Amy Marta for purchasing it. Um, just getting in the weeds a little bit, uh, GGTU. So Becky Hill now, um, as you and Steve both alluded to, and even Neil, that this could potentially be very serious. She has hired an attorney, and that attorney is Justin Bamberg. Uh, and I know that's someone that you know because he was in the courthouse a lot of the time uh, during uh, the Alec Murdoch trial. Uh, what do you know about Justin Bamberg? Um, and, you know, sort of what purpose is he going to serve here uh, for Becky Hill? Do we know? Well, I think she has two attorneys. Neil, is that right? She has one out of Columbia. Uh, Will Lewis, yeah. I believe Will was Lewis. the name. Will Lewis, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know Will Lewis, but Justin Bamberg is a great guy. He is as country as they get. I love watching his videos. He's just a good guy. He, he actually represented some of the financial victims in this case, um, particularly, I think, the Pickney uh, victim. I believe that was in Georgia, the the uh, young man that was in this in the care facility that was on life support. Um, yes. he, yeah. So he's represented several of the financial victims. He's very familiar with the case. He knows Miss Becky. He knows Mr. Murdoch um, or Alec. And um, so, you know, I think that it's good that she has somebody that knows her that's representing her that's local. And then also somebody who's a little removed in Columbia um, that maybe just isn't uh, more personal with her, but I think that both of them together will definitely do her justice um, and and see what what conclusion we come to and where do we go from there once we get to that conclusion. Uh, Steve Peterson from uh, Wilmington stuff. This is the only way he has a chance of being in federal prison instead of the state. Fed is better. Is there an ulterior motive here um, by the defense counsel possibly uh, to try to finagle the way uh, for Alec Murdoch into federal prison. Um, again, listen, I'm the first to say uh, there are a lot of people who do not like Dick Harputlian and Jim Griffin. I do not know them personally, but I think they are excellent defense attorneys. They're doing what they need to do for their client. Uh, what do you say, Steve? Well, he's not going to go to federal prison unless he's convicted of a federal crime. And right now, I know he's been indicted by the feds. The Phoebe's invited him on all these uh, 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 embezzlement and corruption charges and uh, offenses related to the, the the hiding of monies and transferring of monies and and on all that stuff. Let's assume he gets convicted of all that because he pretty much he pretty much admitted that to most of that during his murder trial. <laughs> so let's assume he gets convicted of all that. He's not going to go into the federal system until he's finished serving out his state time unless they do it concurrently. And then I think he'll still stay in the state system. The fe you know, the, there's a federal prison right there in Estelle, right there in Hampton yeah. County. 
And uh, I put many person in that facility. So, I mean, he could be closer to home being Estelle in the federal prison, but I don't see that happening. Uh, I, I think he'll stay in state custody until such time that he's dead. And then they might sweep the bones into the federal system and let him serve <laughs> some time there. Ouch. That works. Yeah, that uh, that <laughs> seems say, to be uh, him and bring him back, stick him in the federal prison. <laughs> oh boy, uh, what a way to go and end it. Um, in New Zealand here, uh, Gigi, this is a question from Annalise. Uh, legal and media teams cannot approach juries during and after a trial. Can you explain why they do in the United States? Uh, just if you could talk about Lori Valadebel or or Alec Murdoch, two huge trials you just covered. You're not talking to those jurors during the trial, but you are trying to get them. Uh, I know Nate Eaton, uh, Lori Valadebel got him after the trial, correct? Yeah. So they, you know, once they're free and the judge releases them from all their duties, they're free to talk to the media. Some of the Murdoch jurors went to New York shortly after verdict and was on Good Morning America. But during the trial, it's just, you know, they don't want uh, any kind of information getting to those jurors that would come from media or anybody in the court system that's not, you know, supposed to be talking to them. And it's just um, it's just another way I think you can kind of make the milk bad, so to speak. And so, yeah, it's just a big no-no. If you see them, you know, you kind of avert your eyes and and don't. You know, don't even I don't even smile at jurors because I don't want to get in trouble. I'm so paranoid in the courtroom. Um, so I don't even every time they look at me, I kind of look away, except for the one lady that we just talked about that stuffed Kleenex in her ears and laid back for 30 minutes and took a solid nap. That's the one. That one all day. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, She would stare at us, though. It was kind of weird because, you know, we would all be sitting there and I would get nudged and they're like, she's staring at us like, a, you know, it's. And, and and you just felt really awkward. She just, you know, and, and she may have something that doesn't allow her to sit still. I'm not trying to be funny, really. Um, I don't know her personally. She could have reasons why that was the case. But that was that was really the only thing with the juror that I saw that stuck out to me. Otherwise, they seemed pretty in sync. And um, I think the most surprising thing for me that I learned is they seem to have been sort of uh, grouped by gender back it was mostly like the men and then the women in separate rooms which i found a little odd but um no i mean yeah so we just we just don't talk to jurors because you could get kicked out of the courtroom and not only that you could mess up the, the entire trial mm -hmm. if if you're accused of, of trying to say oh do you think he's guilty or whatever yeah it's just a big no-no uh, Steve Peterson, uh, before we get to this comment here, uh, someone was just asking about the 10 days uh, before some sort of response from the state. Do we know if that's 10 business days, Steve Peterson? I've also heard um, attorneys say that uh, just because of legal issues and some, uh, you know, I's that needed to be dotted and T's crossed that it might take a little bit longer than 10 days. But do we know if it's business or 10 actual days, DP or something? Well, usually when they when a, a deadline is given, it's it's business days. But and it's up to the judge how many days that they allow for a response. So I, I don't know if there was a response date given. You know, you have so many days to respond to this allegation. I, I don't know what the process is when they file a complaint. You know, so there there is a formalized process, and I assume that Alex's team will abide by the rules of that process because they're complaining about the rules of this process. So everybody wants to stay now within the rules. You know, I would be curious, during my trials, what I have found, not when I was on trial, but 
when I was involved in trials. <laughs> what I found was that um, after judge ex, uh, excuses the jury, I, in every trial that I was involved in, I attempted to speak to the jurors afterwards. And I would try to approach them in the hallway as they're leaving the jury room and just introduce myself and say, listen, during the course of the trial, I'm prohibited from having any contact with you. So uh, I wasn't able to, you know, look at you and smile and wave and, you know, have all these nonverbal communications from the chair, not allowed to do any of that. But since the judge has excused you, you're now free to speak to anybody you wish. And if you have a moment, I would love to ask you some questions. I would like to talk to you. And I have found now in, in all my time, I put over a thousand people in prison, but I, I had three acquittals, three acquittals. <laughs> and when you have an acquittal, none of the jurors want to talk to you. They don't take it personal. They just, they're not happy with the government. They don't like whatever, for whatever reason, they're not happy. They don't want to talk to you. But if you get a conviction, which all my others were, they want to talk to you. They want to hear about what happened behind the scenes. We were brought out of the jury box. We were sent back into the room. And then when we came back in, it was a completely different topic being questioned by the witnesses. What happened? What did we miss? They all have questions they want answered. I would be stunned if the government, you know, the state, the sled agents didn't do the same thing. I, I think it would be a, a horrible missed opportunity for them to to go out and reach out to the jurors. It's too late now. I guess you could, well, now they got a reason, different reason to do it. But um, I would have done it then. And then if you had, if they had any concerns, if the jurors had any concerns or felt that's the time that that should have come out immediately after, not days, weeks, months later. Now. Um, before we get to this comment, just for those who are new to this, we're, we've all been covering this for a very long time. Uh, the main allegations against Becky Hill, who is the uh, clerk of court for Colton County, where the Alec Murdoch trial was held. Uh, the allegations are that she pressured the jury, the panel, to reach a quote unquote quick guilty verdict and lied to Judge Newman in a campaign to remove a jury member who was sympathetic to the defense. That was the whole Facebook issue. So those are the allegations. Uh, Murph's turf here. Thank you for the super uh, sticker here. Uh, to you, Neil Gordon, did the jurors give Becky slash Neil permission to publicly disclose personal information? Fair question. Here's how we approach this. We had the juror numbers, of course, of all of the jury members, and we chose not to publish the jury numbers nor their names. Um, and that was our way of kind of protecting their identity. Uh, but we did not reach out to individual jurors and have that discussion. Mm. Um, to you, Gigi, uh, from Kittenson Clover, was it appropriate, in your opinion, for Becky to serve as both a clerk of court and media liaison? What's the story with accompanying three jurors to the Today Show? I was asking a very similar question. Uh, your response, Gigi. I really don't know. Um, I, you know, I think maybe it just goes back to this being a really, really small town. And maybe these jurors were a little hesitant. It's a big city. I don't know. Um, I know Becky said that was her first time on an airplane going there. Um, so I really don't know as far as what, 
you know, what the point of that was. But did she, I don't know, Neil, did she do any interviews when she was up there or she just went with them? She did not. I know that she developed a close relationship with um, one of the producers from NBC. So that producer from NBC kind of talked with Becky um, because, you know, that is part of the purview of the clerk of court is to still work with the media. And I don't know the specifics about who asked who or how that happened, but um, Becky was allowed to go there and bring a plus one. And so it was an opportunity for her to bring uh, her daughter, who uh, is very well liked in the small town and a very established singer and someone who um, has been there all of her life as well. So that's kind of how it happened. But Becky did not um, participate in the interviews. I think, for lack of better, I, I think Gigi's probably right on the money. It's almost like um, a chaperone, if you will, because they were, you know, maybe just wanted to have somebody uh, to be there because they'd never, these, these jurors had never been interviewed before. I don't even think on local television, let alone live with Savannah Guthrie and um, Craig Melvin on NBC. And uh, yes, this is Bindi taking a nap behind <laughs> me there. French bulldog. French bulldog. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Frenchie. Yeah. Awesome. Adorable. She, she's a slobberer. She just loves people. <laughs> I got um, a new puppy both, too. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. Uh, it's like having a newborn. <laughs> it, it is. It is uh, very challenging. Let's put it that way. We just got a new rug and Ethel uh, coronated the rug in all the wrong ways. Um, <laughs> Moto 88. Uh, will it be Creighton Waters doing this response? Um Steve, you're our uh, de facto attorney tonight. So eventually the state is going to have to respond. It's coming uh, from the uh, state's uh, attorney general's office. But as far as you know, is Creighton Waters going to have to get himself, the prosecutor, back involved in dealing with these issues? Well, I think that would probably make the most sense. But I think that's totally up to the attorney general. You know, Clayton is just uh, Creighton is one of the assistant attorney generals, or I'm not exactly certain what his exact title is, but the attorney general has a number of prosecutors that work for him, and Creighton is one of them. And, uh, you know, if you are concerned about how a specific trial was handled, if you really want to do it transparently, you'd get a different attorney to come in and perhaps foresee or oversee an investigation into perhaps misconduct because you don't want to taint the waters. You don't want the same prosecutor involved in the prosecution of the Murdoch to be also the one looking into the jury of the Murdoch case. You'd want to have something completely independent or at least appear to be independent. Uh, so it, I think that's totally, I think that's totally up to the attorney general's, uh, it's his call in this. 
Uh, misdemeanor OG. I love this guest Peterson. She doesn't call you Mr. Peterson, just Peterson. And uh, what's not to love? Uh, he's the only guy that says Murdoch, Murtog, and he's from Boston. So uh, there you go. Uh, people use. She hasn't seen my sense of humor yet. Then she, <laughs> she may change not. her opinion as the show goes on. She and then she'll be sending uh, hate mail to hate mail at surviving survivor uh, <laughs> dot com. Uh, Becky Ireland just says it all. STS Nation. I would say best guest better community so uh becky hill uh 55 years old uh she was spotted late last week i think it was thursday in walterboro around 10 a.m and a photographer who caught her said uh did you tamper with the jurors she briefly glanced in his direction according to reports before just turning away and smirking um neil how badly does Becky want to get her story, her side of the story out there, but right now is probably prevented from doing so uh, because of Justin Bamberg and the other excellent attorneys working with her. Sorry, we we have a guest. and uh, It would never be surviving the survivor without a dog barking. No, no need to be sorry. <laughs> That's all right, Lindy. Come and take care of Bindi. Um, she definitely does want to be able to step forward and I don't know whether that, what, what, how that will, what form that will take shape um, when that occurs. Um, when I saw that video, and I don't know if um, the three of you saw it, I felt so terrible because it seemed like it was tabloid television, you know, almost like it was Alex Murdoch work walking being escorted from the van into the courthouse and somebody was catcalling, you know, did you do it, Alex? Did you do it? And then they were doing the same thing to Becky. And I was just proud of her for just walking, going to her job. She's still working, you know, going to her job uh, there at the courthouse and she did not respond, but I know that's gotta be an awful feeling. You know, one thing I want to say, too, is just hats off to the to the state as well, because, you know, we're focusing on what the defense is doing. But I think we should also recognize what the state did. Um, this was a huge trial in this in the, the, probably the biggest trial the state's seen other than Susan Smith. I think that might be a close second. But Murdoch takes the takes the cake by far. And the state had, you know, Dr. Kenneth Kinsey. I'm fascinated by him. I hope they're all still coming to Crime Con. I don't know with the current climate if they are or not but good, um good i'm interested question. to hear him talk good question know? hopefully they are there because uh gg and i are going to be there so anyone from scs nation or any alibiers you better let us know and uh, and uh i'll give you a little bit of breaking news um becky was going to take some vacation time and and go and and thought may not be appropriate at this time so decided against being part of that Mm. And we will not be going either on be, on behalf of the book, but uh, that's too bad because, uh, wow, what brilliant minds and brilliant communicators will be there and educators. And uh, I think uh, I know it's in Orlando and and they still have, to, of course, tickets available for just any like any of your viewers um, could could attend. I think it's like, uh, is it the 20, uh, 22nd to the 24th it is yeah, uh, a couple a week weeks from this friday a week yeah, from this friday. that's right yep and uh, it's the first time we're hearing a dog drink water live on sts <laughs> yeah. so uh 
lest you think that is another sound that is just a French bulldog drinking out of its water bowl very um, aggressively. And, and, and I'm so shocking. grateful with your new studio that there's no smell of vision. Yeah, 100%. I <laughs> love that yeah. too. Easy. I love it. Sharon yeah. Moore says Steve Peterson knocking it out of the park tonight. Usually all the love is reserved for Gigi, but tonight uh, we're spreading it around quite a bit. And uh, you heard that breaking news on SDS Nation. We break news here. Thank Becky you, Hill not Becky Hill not going to CrimeCon this year. Uh, Neil, to you, um, you you released some statements, and I have those, but I don't have them up on a graphic because I was too damn busy today. Um, but. Neil Gordon said, and Neil, I'll have you respond and explain this. He, and this sure. is a quote. Overall, I would ask anyone following these alleged jury tampering allegations to please reserve judgment until all the facts come out and all interviews are conducted by the proper objective law enforcement authorities. Please remember, in our society, people are innocent until proven guilty. The basic tenet of our judicial system was there for Alec Murdoch during his double murder trial and should be in place for Becky Hill for accusations of ju of jury tampering. Uh, what prompted the statement? And uh, did you put that together on your own? And, uh, you know, what, what are you hoping to get across by putting it out there? I did put it together uh, myself. I, I did not discuss it with Becky or uh, anything like that at all. There's just been so many trolls out on the internet and so much um, mean spiritedness that I just, I just wanted to kind of call to appeal to people to just relax. It's not going to be that much longer to, to kind of for the investigations to, you know, be gone through and for us to have a better handle on things. And I, uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to put that out there and get people to think just a little bit before just hitting send. I mean, there's just been just, just awful name calling and people just almost fortune telling that there's going to be a new trial and who's going to pay for it. And, you know, all sorts of stuff. And I, I just, so that was the purpose. Oh man. It, I tell you what, you, it's it's bad you know you get that all day every day doing podcasts i know joel i don't know joel's pretty cool he might not get called a a big dummy but um oh, trust me trust me trust <laughs> no, me it I happens to everybody it's you know and it's just one thing that like i don't even really read a lot of my comments anymore because i get like my feelings hurt if somebody's like you suck because you put so much time into this and i take it personal you know but no, that's something that's going to be expected with this. And, and that's why, like, the biggest thing, I think I texted you the day that all this came out, like, tell her not to watch TV, tell her to stay off the internet. Like, she right. doesn't, you know, it's just until all this wraps up, until both sides are heard, she needs to avoid all of that because it it can, I'm sure, given the nature of the allegations, um, what's being said and what I've seen can be devastating. It, you know, it, whether, you, whether you're guilty or not, it's just... Um, it, it, yeah, keyboard warriors will warrior on. And um, boy, I tell you, I have to bite my tongue sometimes. Yeah, well, and I'll, I'll tell you, I worked in uh, New York City at Fox 5. So uh, there, they're not keyboard warriors. They just come right up to you on the street right, and tell yeah. you that you suck and they hate your ties. So I had a lot of, uh, <laughs> and they would do the same thing in Boston, Steve Peterson, trust me. So uh, 
I had my fair share, but as uh, the COE will tell you, it still sucks to be trolled. It still sucks to get – no one wants to hear negative stuff about them. Some Look at this. Brianna saying, Steve Peterson, no offense to the other guests, steals the show tonight. Uh, shout out to Chelsea Whitaker. Shout out to I Am Not T-Pain. Shout out to Space Coast for helping behind the scenes. Shout out to Jersey Jen Castaldi, Frankie Figs, all the regulars here at STS Nation. Anyone who I missed, you guys heard my thoughts. Now, this is one of these people, um, Neil Gordon, and this is why I brought this comment up. Becky better start packing for jail. We're hearing a lot of that. Um, how do you respond to those comments? It's why I put out that statement. I mean, I mean, it's just beyond belief to me that you would you would leap to that conclusion. It just I don't even know that it warrants a response. Um, Chelsea Whitaker, who is a member of STS Nation, question for Neil. Do you have any thoughts on the handwritten addendum to the uh, contract with the film crew for use of the courthouse? And then Space Coast, let's bring up that juror comment uh, from 630. But uh, uh, Chelsea Whitaker, that comment for you, Neil. So um, that was my idea. And, you know, um, Becky has been a clerk of court all of her life and I've been in the media all of my life. And my thinking was, um, you know, why not see if um, that they would identify her? You know, the I think part of the reason that they wanted to talk to her was that she was a clerk of court and part of the reason that they wanted to talk to her was that she was um, writing a book and sharing some details. And so that was my that was my thought. Um, and they went ahead and, um, you know, paid money to the county for use of it. So it was very much on the up and up. But that was, you know, that was my idea to suggest that. Um, as well as an attorney's idea. And I, I mean, I didn't know about any, how, whether it was handwritten or these contracts are very standard. And it basically says you, you just kind of give away your likeness for the pleasure of being on. And um, so that's what that was. Uh, Steve Peterson to you. Uh, this is from last week, but I think it's important. This is the uh, sworn affidavit. This is a quote from it. Uh, I had questions about Mr. Murdoch's guilt, but voted guilty because I felt pressured by other jurors. She asked jurors, meaning Becky Hill, about their opinions about Mr. Murdoch's guilt or innocence. She instructed them not to believe evidence presented in Mr. Murdoch's defense, including his own testimony. She lied to the judge to remove a juror she believed might not vote guilty, and she pressured jurors to reach a guilty verdict quickly so she could profit from it. How do you read this statement, Steve? You know, I, I see a couple of problems with this. One is I had questions about his guilt, but voted guilty. I felt pressured by other jurors. Well, that's why you're in the room. You're in the room to express your opinion during deliberations. If you feel so strongly that guy's innocent, then stand by your guns. If you can't stand by your guns, your convictions, your integrity, your character in the jury room during the deliberations, perhaps you're not fit to be a juror, right? And the, the rest of the stuff that's in the statement there, I don't know how much of that 
is actually a quote from the juror. This sounds more like information put into the juror's mouth from the defense team because it's telling stuff that at the time nobody knew about. They didn't know about all this. He lied to the judge to remove a juror. Well, it comes out later that perhaps it was with a similar name to the ex-husband. Hey, Becky's doing, and I don't know Becky. I don't, you know, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not condemning her and I'm not defending her because it is what it is. The facts will tell. But I mean, if she tells a judge what she believes an honest uh, assessment of of a Facebook posting, she's kind of compelled to get that out there. And then it's the judge's job to ask the juror about it, which he did. So, you know, I don't think she hasn't profited by the book, to my knowledge. I understand. And, and, you know, Neil, you can explain this. This book is self-published. These guys put out a ton of their own money to publish the book. And until they reap all that money back, they haven't made any profit. And I'm glad you brought that up, by the way. Misdemeanor OG, Steve, are you married? Uh, You care to answer that, Steve? Oh, yes. And my wife is sitting not too far away. So she is she is right here with me. And she is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And he spells uh, straight to heaven when she he, dies because she spent her life in hell being married to me for 30 years. He spells Woo! far. He spells he spells far F-A-H-H infinity. Um, Neil Gordon, um, I was just going to ask you a question that was actually important. And now because of my ridiculousness, I forgot it. But shout out to Patricia Fox here uh, for the super sticker. Um, So, Gigi, Jim Griffin went on the um, it's interesting how this plays out because, you know, Becky Hill is getting slammed for writing the book and, uh, you know, pandering to the media, et cetera. Um, But she is the clerk of court. So that is a big distinction. But Jim Griffin and Dick Harputlian went on the Today Show, and Jim Griffin said, anytime there's outside influence in the sanctity of the jury room, it is improper. That is a Jim Griffin quote. Uh, and he said, the legal question is not whether the outcome of the trial would have been different. The question is whether the information provided to the jury outside the confines of the courtroom is prejudicial. Um, it's really about, this is not about whether he did or did not murder anyone because that's not even being brought into play this is about the process uh is that right Gigi? i mean you know look the bottom line is just what we have to get to the bottom to is are the allegations correct can they prove these allegations against her that's the bottom line and and it's true i mean we have to protect the jury they're doing a very important job that they were called to do it's you know, it's a, it's a civil duty that they do. So I do think that they need their respect and and their space when they're when they're in trial and during deliberations. So I do think that that protecting the sanctity of that jury room is something we have to do because uh, who knows when one of us or somebody we love might be on the defendant side. So we want those juries to be completely protected and focused on the evidence alone. Um, so I'm just interested, like I say, to see both sides of it. That's how I roll. And, um, you know, hopefully this is all much ado about nothing. Uh, that is how Gigi rolls. Neil, back to you. I remember my question. So uh, you mentioned 30, uh, 
thousand dollars. I think last time we talked in order to publish this book, and I got a lot of comments. Well, how come it costs so much money? Uh, can you, without going into explicit detail, maybe explain why it was thirty thousand dollars to self-publish? Again, are they self-published? Go ahead. The bulk of the thirty thousand dollars was um, ordering enough books in advance to be able to do a pre-order. When you do a pre-order, you're able to generate some money to be taken care of the upfront costs, which include attorney fees to set up your LLC, um, an agreement between the Hills and the Gordons, um, a, uh, a literary type person that coordinates an editor, a uh, formatter of the book, somebody that did, does the front and the back cover design, a proofreader, um, liability insurance in case you get sued, um, kind of also known as uh, errors and omissions policies. So you take all of that into consideration. That's what it. Um, that's what it ended up to be. Now, tr- I mean. Full transparency, you don't have to get an attorney. You can design your own book cover. If you're a good proofreader, you can do that. And you don't have to pre-order books. You can just pop it up on Amazon when you're ready. Um, we just chose to, to kind of go down that path. Uh, Tiff Knox says, totes, fa, F-A-H-H-H. Someone else said, of course, Steve is married because his pictures are hung evenly on his wall. Although I feel like Steve Peterson is uh, kind of meticulous in that regard. Uh, Madeline Bullet says, in my opinion, juror 630 needs to be their own person. Was the four person, uh, oh, I was the four person on a murder trial. Inflection matters. Sounds like juror 630 has more of a personal issue with being able to speak his or her voice in a group setting. Uh, interesting comment. Steve Peterson, what I found sort of interesting is that there were six smokers out of 12 on this juror. And uh, the motion argues that Becky Hill hurried the deliberations by denying the six smokers on the panel smoke breaks and threatening to send them to a hotel if they didn't wrap up that night. People have chimed in and said, were they also denied uh, use of the restroom? Could they not go take a bathroom break? Uh, Steve Peterson, what about this whole issue of six smokers being denied? So you're, you're shaking your head in Boston disgust right now. Uh, you know, it, to me, it's, it's just we're making a, a mountain out of a molehill. It's just so stupid, right? So you, you can't deliberate unless everybody's in the juror room. So you got six guys going to go on out and take a nicotine break out on the sidewalk or wherever they go on the roof. You know, you can't be wherever they go to have their little cigarette breaks. So nobody else can deliberate till they come back. So I, I have no clue if anything was ever said to any of these jurors about their smoke breaks. But prior to deliberations, you can smoke all you want because you're not supposed to be discussing a case. You don't have to be stuck in that little room. And usually most jury rooms that I have seen, um, in the courthouses I have been in, they have their own bathrooms in there. So it's not like they're walking to McDonald's and using a bathroom down the street. So they have the, the ability to use the facilities if they need it. And if they came back, if, if somebody came back, if it was the bailiff or even if it was Becky, I don't know who it would have been, say, hey, listen, now that the deliberations have started, we are not going to be taking 20-minute smoke breaks every hour. You know, we're going to limit this for whatever it is, 10 minutes an hour. What? I, I have no clue. But I just think it's just total BS. Mm. I, 
I have uh, a question. Go ahead, Neil. Joel, I have a question. I, again, I was not there, and I know Gigi was there um, pretty much every day. Did you ever get to meet the chief bailiff? I want to say his name's Bill Polk. Does that ring a bell? Is he the guy that handcuffed Alec after sentencing? Um, I mean, I kind of exchanged pleasantries with all the bailiffs, but never yeah. in, like formal conversation. The officers I talked to a lot more. Just oh, okay. The, the officers inside, but the bailiffs really, you know, they were hyper focused on what they were doing. Right. Um, so he the, he's an older gentleman. I think he's even retired now. Gray hair, and um, from what I understand, a pretty tough cookie. And really, that was pretty, I mean, that was a good chunk of his job, those six weeks, is to keep an eagle eye on those jurors and be there with them. So, um, you know, again, I wasn't there. I don't, I don't want to pretend to assume what happened, but I would just say Becky had an awful lot to do in her other aspects and um, Bill Polk was known as a very strong bailiff um, who would have probably dealt with a lot of cigarette issues. Mm. So. Well, there you go. Uh, there's the answer regarding the cigarettes, the bailiff. Uh, Gailey May says, uh, oh, I want to go to crime con. We are going in uh, just under uh, two weeks. I hope the COE is ordering uh, the necessities that we need uh regarding crime con um one last quote here and then we're going to wrap this up uh the you can never jim griffin to the on the today show you can never go back steve peterson and rewind the clock or put the toothpaste back in the tube that's a game we can't play but what we do know is the conduct the jurors have reported to us is highly improper and frankly illegal again Legal wrangling here, being a good defense attorney, mudding the waters, trying to get a new trial or excessive and unnecessary. And the the verdict was read and should be let go. What do you think? Uh, I think that if these jurors, if these people came to the defense uh, attorneys and made these allegations, I think they have an obligation to bring them forward. If it turns out that they are all false and none of this happened, this is all a bunch of crap, the defense attorney is not going to get punished or admonished in any way because all they're going to say is, I'm just bringing to the court's attention what was brought to me. And had that been actual uh, truths, if this had actually occurred, then it would be a miscarriage of justice. But we are far from that. So the, the question really is, you know, what is the truth? Because I don't believe that no matter what the truth might be, whether Becky spoke to the jurors, didn't speak to the jurors, whatever it is, I don't believe it would have changed the verdict. I don't believe it will change. It will give them grounds for a new trial. And, and perhaps that's what all they're just hoping for. When you, know, when you have the facts on your side, you argue the facts. When you have the law on your side, you argue the law. When you have neither, you just argue. That's all you do. That's what lawyers do. So... You know, if you throw up enough mud, people can't see through the smoke. And and that's all you're doing. You're just looking. Hey, I've always told my wife, if I ever got arrested for anything, I want a jury trial because I only have to convince one. I only have to convince one. 
The government's got to convince all 12. I just have to convince one. So if you're not able to do that, and of course they didn't in three hours, well, now you've got to save face. Now you've got to save face. So you throw up all these reasons why they didn't win and hope that, uh, and hope some of them sticks and hope, hopes that you get a new trial to try over again. I don't, I don't see it happening, but I don't know all one of the, one of the comments from in the chat here was that I may, I don't have all the facts, right? I don't have any of the facts. I'm just saying <laughs> what's been reported in the media. I don't know any of the facts. I don't know any of the facts here. So I don't well, have some of the facts wrong. I have all the facts wrong because I don't know what they are. Steve Peterson, you make excellent points. Um, Paige says, Neil, do you think these interviews you're doing could be used against Becky in a court of law? Are you worried about that? No, because I know exactly what we discussed for four months and there was no discussion of any sidebar conversations that she had. And I'm only really commenting on um, my opinions, I suppose. Uh, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened whatsoever. All I can do is vouch for Becky's integrity and, and her character and um, the way that she is. So, no, I don't have any concerns whatsoever. Gigi McKelvey, uh, she is host of the popular true crime podcast, Pretty Lies and Alibis. That's what happens two shows in a row, and I can barely say Gigi's name. She spent six weeks uh, in Boise, Idaho, not Boise, but Boise, Idaho, covering the Lori Vallow Daybell trial for Law and Crime and News Nation. She's also produced over 50 podcasts on that show alone. You better be listening to Pretty Lies and Alibis and She's been all over the Alec Murdoch trial from day one. Uh, Gigi, I didn't know you were writing a book, are you? And w will this have any bearing on your decision to write a book about Valo Daybell? Interesting question, Gigi. I've been going back and forth about it. I said I was. Um, the only way I'm going to do it is to donate 20% um, to each charity that the families have set up because, you know, I just I want to give back to the causes they feel are important. Um Having said that, I've wrote a half a chapter in two months, so uh, <laughs> she might serve out her life sentence before I finish. But my goal is to turn that Connecting the Dots series. It's actually like 65 episodes. I need to do some more since trial um, and just turn that into a book. And that's taking all of the document dumps and the body cams and then what we learned in court and putting it all in a timeline, but also digging back to when they were young. So it's really more just a a whole kind of um, beginning to end from where we are now of the trial, just fact-based and that kind of thing. So I say yes, and I, I would love to, and I've talked to Kay and Larry about it and they were, they gave me their blessings and, um, but I would donate to Tammy Daybell's foundation to Kay and Larry's foundation that they are thinking of setting up. And then, um, yeah, so uh, Fruit Loop, who used to be my co-host, she has a domestic violence safe haven. So part of that would go to her because um, all of these people, unfortunately, Tammy, JJ, Tylee, and Charles were victims of domestic violence um, murder. So yeah, I'm thinking about it, but I want to do it in a way where I can lay my head down at night and not feel like I'm, you know, taking advantage of a case either. So I want to give back. And when I figure that out, maybe I'll start pounding away on the keyboard a little more. Very GGS to get back. GG, final uh, final response here. Are you um, 
How is this going to end? That's my question. Are we going to see a retrial? What are you betting on? Oh, man, I don't know. It's just like a flip of a coin right now. It just kind of depends on what this investigation shows. And if we have a hearing and it's open to the public, I will be there. I, I really don't know. Um, I, I don't know. It just seems to me like um, like Steve was saying, you polled the jury. They said this was their verdict. And, and every day, did anybody, you know, talk to you about this case? Or, no, they didn't. So it, it could be a bit of an uphill climb. And you have three out of and, and you have nine left. So we'll see what those nine say. And um, I think until then, I just reserve my opinion on on all of it. Um, it's hard when you know somebody and they're a very sweet person Then you know, so it's awkward for me. But um, I hope that a thorough investigation is done and, and that the right decision is made. Uh, Steve Peterson, he was a senior special uh, agent, the SSA of the United States Department of Justice, the DEA. So many acronyms, it's hard to keep up with. He was the uh, the oldest street agent at the time of his retirement. How's that work? Uh, Steve, this is an interesting question and your final thoughts here. Why didn't the six smokers on the jury ask the judge a question about their smoke breaks? We don't know if they did or not. Steve just said we don't know all the facts. But uh, Steve, you said it earlier, but just to reiterate, uh, is there going to be a retrial? We're going to have to sit through six more weeks of an Alec Murdoch trial. No, we are not. I don't think they're going to get a retrial. I, I think... They make it to the bottom of this. Uh, and, you know, something else that just came to mind is perhaps Becky did make some comments to them after the jury gave their verdict and after they were dismissed. But now some of these jurors may go, well, I, she said this to us, but they're confusing when it was said. So who knows? Who knows what the truth is, right? We'll, I don't know when. We'll find the truth eventually. I just don't know when it's going to be. And if I could, I need to give a quick shout out to my yeah. in-laws, Mary Lou and Chuck. And just let them know I'll take care of their daughter pretty well here. So, oh, that's so sweet, Steve. <laughs> Steve, that is very sweet of you. Uh, Frankie Figs, big uh, friend of the show. Can you get Joel to read the $20 Super Chat? Since we have new software, I would love to do it, but I don't know where it exists. And the CEO, I have a feeling right now, is chasing our kids around the house. So I apologize for that. But know that it is uh, deep in my heart, and uh, I will look for it, and I will uh, try to tweet that out. Uh, if I don't collapse before I get home tonight, look, we are coming to you from a, an undisclosed location here in Miami. Uh, I have to still get home after this podcast tonight, but now we're the real deal. We've got a studio. Uh, I'm out and about, and uh, it is exciting times. By the way, uh, Gigi's new studio is pretty sweet looking too. Neil Gordon, he's very sweet for, for coming on the podcast. He is publisher of the Augusta Business Daily Publisher, a very small golf tournament there called the, the Masters. Uh, he's also the co-author uh, with the now controversial clerk of court, Becky Hill, of Behind the Doors of Justice, the Murdoch Murders, Behind the Doors of Justice. Neil Gordon, what is next for you and Becky Hill? Just like the rest of the country, sort of um... – waiting on the next steps um, in the legal process. Um, you know, we had scheduled to be at CrimeCon. Um, she is scheduled to come uh, in North Augusta, South Carolina, near where we live for an annual clerk of court convention in um, uh, early October. I, I don't know what the status of that is. We probably will not be doing any book signings for a while, um, just sort of on hold. And um, 
you know, I mentioned that she she's not going to be speaking right now. But what I what just dawned on me is she did do the narration of the audio book. So if people actually want to hear her share all the details in the book and try to understand things as you kind of listen, you know, chapter 12 about the jury or whatever, um, that's also available for, for you to, uh, to order. Very good. Uh, it is on Amazon behind the doors of justice. Yala, I got a holla at you and say, I, I really needed this comment tonight. I got to say, Joel is the best host next to Gigi and true crime, true, <laughs> true crime. You know, it's my second show of the day and I've watched a ton of true crime stuff. I can't say it. Thank you, Yala. Where's that camera? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I needed that for my peace of mind. Um, I will focus on the 97 bad comments. I will call <laughs> Carm tonight. She will scream at me. How come you do not focus on Yala's comment? I can hear her already. We will start arguing. It will end in disaster. By the way, that is Carm behind me the other way screaming at me with Mabel, my beloved Mabel Rose on her lap. And that is the book my dad wrote kind of obscured right now by that mic handle. My dad's book is on that uh, coffee table and uh, took a lot of love to create this set. And super big shout out to Andrew Hayes, the Miami street artist who put this all together. We're still tweaking it and getting the shot right. And all. So that's not a, that's not a chroma key, Joel. That's, that's, that's an actual, that is real art mural and Gordon. We don't mess around at STS nation. That is a street artist named Andrew Hayes in the great in the magic city, Miami. Uh, I found him by happenstance and uh, he put that together for me, both sides of that. Um, so I kind of love it. People say, where's the car cut out? Well, now she's actually on a mural screaming at me her finger is pointing <laughs> wagging at me like it will be at crime con in just a few weeks a quick programming note tomorrow i'm still figuring this out we've got to stay on this danello cavalcanti case he is the escaped fugitive out of uh the escaped convict i should say who's now a fugitive uh outside the philadelphia area in chester county pa we're going to stay on that and uh, possibly do another Murdoch story. I got to get together with the COE, Meve Moen, and Space Coast to figure everything out, which I will do tonight. And uh, we'll be back with either one or two shows tomorrow. Huge shout out to the best guests, better community. Until next time, love you, America. Love you, Boston. Love you, South Carolina. And love you, Augusta. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. 
What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. <laughs> 